Hello, welcome to the Finance of Dawn podcast. You're listening to the first ever episode of this podcast. And, uh, you know, today, what we will be talking about is really what is going on with first the Dallas Mavericks after their win last night against the Portland Trailblazers. Um, second, we might be talking about something that's coming on the rise in the financial world for crypto and specifically for blockchain technology. And then finally, we'll just talk about, you know, what I expect from the future for this podcast and what we got going on for it. Um, so first and foremost, we could talk about the Dallas Mavericks. Last night, I think Luka Doncic probably submitted his application for MVP. Uh, I think a lot of people just didn't really get the kid. Um, I say that, and I'm I'm older than he is, um, but I, I'm not older by a lot, at least. And uh, he he last night in quite literally a half went off for 37 points. The Dallas Mavericks essentially had the lead on Portland. Portland didn't have a chance. Um, Obviously, it's a difference from Friday's uh, experience for Dallas. They got absolutely uh, smoked out of the building. And this time, Luka Doncic really punched the ticket. But whether that means that the Dallas Mavericks are doing good or not doing good at all is is a totally different description itself. I think Dallas right now, heading into the trade deadline, is trying to figure out what they're what their motive is, what they're going to do. And I think you just have to make some assumptions about where they go from here. Obviously, Dallas has some problems on the inside. I think last night, KP was a little bit, um, a little bit angry. I think, I think he's, he's frustrated with himself. You can definitely see in moments where he, he definitely is in the positions that, will make him the most successful. If he has a smaller defender on him, he should be going in the post. If he's getting the looks where he's just one-on-one, then he should be taking those one-on-one opportunities. And, you know, he's he's getting paid all-star money. I think that's been the argument against him in the last year in Dallas. Is, you know, Kristaps, you're getting paid all-star money. And you're scoring 15 points a game sometimes, you know, I mean, he's not in the position anymore to win those, those battles that he should be winning. And teams are, teams are not respecting him. And I think that he's realizing that Um, he's not getting the biggest defender on him. He's not getting the most defensive savvy uh, player on him either. I mean, he's obviously getting, in most situations, not the best defender on him. And, I mean, besides maybe Utah, Utah is smart enough to put Rudy Gobert on him, um, and it's effective at least. But most of the time, teams are putting their best wing defender on Luka. And sometimes that means that he's going to get a mediocre big on him. He might get a very much even more mediocre player uh, that's a big on KP and I get it. He's one pissed off dude. 
you know, he's he's a competitor. He really, really wants to win. I think that he really is out there to prove himself. And I think that, you know, over the last six months, he's had to deal with a lot. You know, he's had to go from really low lows to trying to figure out what's his high. And I think for Dallas fans, I mean, Dallas fans are <laughs> hot and cold right now. Um, and that's just because the team is kind of acting that way. Um, it seems like in stretches, at least this season, Dallas has proven that they could get hot versus some of the best teams in basketball. And they've also shown that they can really get cold against some of the worst teams in basketball. I mean, they've, they've lost games that they definitely should not have. Um, and, you know, you could put blame on Rick Carla. You could put blame on Luka Doncic. You could put blame on the supporting cast, you know. Um, but I don't think any of those things truly encapsulate the, the true problems going on in Dallas. Um, I mean, shit, you got um, – really, you've got Dwight Powell, who's maybe not the best fit. Um, in their system. I definitely think last night he showed more aggression than we have seen from him, um, which is good. I mean, he should, just like all the other bigs on his team, is, you know, if they're stretched out off off the key, if they're not on the block, shoot a three. That's what you should be doing if you're in Dallas. If you're a big, you know, obviously not all of them have KP's green light. KP literally has a green light to shoot from the logo. Um, <laughs> and I mean, that's that's Rick's decision. Um, obviously, that is the offensive personnel's decision. Um, that's KP's decision as well. And, you know, they've got to make the decision, I think, especially as the playoffs are essentially get, getting here. They're not really that far away. Um, Dallas has to make the decision on whether or not they are going to continuously put KP uh, as a trailer, uh, essentially what Dirk was doing for many years in Dallas. And, you know, that's taking the trailer three. And for Kristaps, I mean, I think he's learning if that is still his shot. I mean, he's shooting damn near 40%. And he's making those shots. It's not like he isn't. It's not like he's not consistently making them. Um, he's a shooter. Shooters shoot. Shooters go through streaks. And I get his frustration. Um, I think that he is going through stretches in games where he feels like he's more of a decoy and less of an asset. I could get how that would piss him off. I mean, you're getting paid $150 million plus, and you're putting sub below all-star numbers. And what else can you ask from yourself? I mean, the way I look at it is he will get better individually, but Dallas does need to make a change. And I, I've been seeing it all over Twitter. I've been... You know, seeing it from all the pundits, you know, in the Dallas world, I guess you could say. I mean, they all 
want Dallas to make a trade. They believe that Dallas should go get a bit, you know, score, whatever. I'm someone that doesn't hold that opinion. I don't think Dallas needs another wing player. You know, we don't need another score, I would say. Um, The time to get Bradley Beal was before Tim Hardaway Jr. could prove that he could just shoot the lights out of the building. Um, I think, you know, Tim has a role on this team. Josh Richardson has a role on this team. They're not getting traded. Their roles are not getting replaced either. Um, without those roles, I don't think Dallas has a shot in the playoffs. I don't think they have a shot to make the playoffs if they made that decision. So you got to look at it. You know, who is the most likely to be traded? What is the most likely asset? to get this team from being just above a 50% team to being 60% or even better, you know? And I think you look at James Johnson, you look at Dwight Powell. I think those are easier contracts to move. You could say, look at the rookie contracts. Those are easy to move. You have a second round pick. You have a first round pick in a couple of years. I think the the nearest one you get is the uh, 23 pick. All right, now it might be later. It might be 24th or 25th or uh, 2025, I should say. And um, I don't think Dallas necessarily wants to – go get a, an all-out risk player um, because it doesn't make it doesn't make sense for Donnie Nelson, who lives by the philosophy to split the aces, guys. Split your damn aces. And uh, he doesn't want to he, – he obviously doesn't want to make the decision of splitting up a team, it not working out, and Luka is stuck with it. You know, I think Luka itself, he's, he's a different talent than Dirk Nowitzki. Um, he's a different talent than a lot of players in this league. He's different. Um, you could see that in the Portland game last night. You could see that Luca is out there with a Kobe mentality to finish the game and to finish it as quickly as possible. And Portland, and, and this is really a lot of teams in the league now, I think especially a lot of them is that they throw out the defensive philosophy. They rely too much on trying to cut off the paths and the lanes. Um, doing so does sacrifice the perimeter, but it only happens on the transition. Uh, it doesn't really happen on the sets. And teams are willing to sacrifice that now because, you know, three shots – are in galore now because, you know, defenders don't necessarily need uh, to guard the shot. They have to guard the space. And, you know, that, that does really suck for a defender that they can't do anything to the actual player to push them off position. But, you know, they, they do get the area to make the defense. And, for Dallas, I think that they are so gifted offensively that it translates to defense. But I think that, you know, you also have to understand they don't they don't really have a defensive big. I think that it, that is what I, I view. I think Willie Cauley Stein is a is a close is a close parameter 
for being a defensive player as a big, but they don't have that. You know, um, I think this trade deadline is going to be interesting for Dallas. It's going to be very interesting because if you look at who's available, who should be available at the very least, and I, I've gone back and forth to people about this, but Andre Drummond is it, folks. If Andre Drummond um, doesn't choose Dallas, I'll be a little bit sad. Um, I think if Cleveland doesn't want to pull off the trade to get assets for his expiring contracts through Dallas, I'll be disappointed. Um, but Drummond, for all his intents and purposes, yes, he is not a perimeter scorer. Yes, he is not. Um, he's not Joel Embiid. He's not Nikola Jokic. But Andre Drummond can do way more than just play basketball for this team. You know, you need guys in practice who will make everyone else step up. And, I mean, we got to just throw this out here. Willie Cauley-Stein and Boban cannot guard Kristaps Porzingis. Neither of them can give him trouble. Andre Drummond, at least, has a shot. And I, I think people are missing that point. You know, he's going to be able to guard KP, at least to some minimal degree. And he's going to do that in practice. KP will get more reps, more time, more energy, I think, in games. If he just simply had someone in practice who could really push him. And I think Drummond, for couple years in his early life in the NBA at least I mean he was he was considered for defensive player of the year you know when he was in Detroit I mean Detroit really thought when they had Greg Monroe when they had Andre Drummond they had Reggie Jackson I mean they had even Tobias Harris they had pieces in Detroit and Drummond benefited from it I mean, he, he was put in a very shit situation in Cleveland. You know, he, his role was immediately tarnished because of how backwards-thinking Colby Altman and the rest of that staff is. Um, but I think if he wants a shot to be a starter or to be an impact player, Dallas is it. If he goes to the Lakers, if he goes to the Nets, Celtics, I don't necessarily know if he gets that role. I think that he gets viewed in the very same way that Cleveland does. Because, I mean, I think the Lakers will put Mark Gasol in before they'll put Drum on him. Which sucks for him. But I think that's what... Uh, I think that's what the Lakers would do. I think that's what Frank Vogel would do. I think Frank is going to rely more in the playoffs on his experience than his physicality as a team. And that spells doom for the team. I, I really don't think that it works out. Um, I think Andre Drummond will end up in a Mavs uniform. I don't know for a fact if that happens. I don't know if, you know, if that's what Cleveland will do. Um, but 
I think that for the team's sake and for just looking at the market, he's got to be what you go for. Sure. I mean, and another positive benefit out of it is it's going to open up a role for a rookie on this team. And I love Josh Green. I love Tyler. But I think they are both phenomenal athletes. I think they're both phenomenal basketball players. I think Tyler Bay is one of the better forwards that were drafted in this last year's draft. And, you know, they've got Tyrell Terry. They could they could trade him uh, for a German deal just because I think they're so guard-heavy that I don't know if Terry will ever find a role in Dallas. But I believe he deserves a role somewhere in the NBA. He's a great shooter, proved it at Stanford, proved it in the G League. I don't know. I think that's what Dallas needs to do. So that's that's all the analysis I could get for y'all for Mavs basketball for right now. Um, you know, obviously I went off some tangent, uh, specifically with KP last night's game. Luca's astounding game versus Portland, going for eight from nine from three. Um, all the discussions on him being a poor three point shooter just got thrown out the window last night. He's he's back in the MVP discussion, and I think. Mavericks fans should be very proud of that. Next subject I kind of want to move on to um, while I got time on the podcast. I'm only trying to do these episodes about 30 minutes each. Um, if y'all want them longer, um, you know, shoot me an email, shoot me a direct message um, on my Twitter, or you know, tweet at me at P-U-L-V-3-R. That's poll3R on Twitter. The next thing I want to talk about, and as I said in the trailer, if you listen to it, um, is don't take my advice as financial advice. I am not an advisor. I am an ape. That isn't all I am. Do not fucking listen to what I say as financial advice. I don't want the SEC coming after me, and I don't, I don't know. I also don't think that Anyone, anyone ever should take advice from anybody saying that something anywhere in the investment world is good. I think that is the wrong philosophy. I don't think anyone should follow that. There's a lot of pump and dumpers out there in the world. They don't give a shit about your finances. They don't care about the small guy. And I think that you should be protecting your investments, your bank accounts, your money. But the one thing I want to talk about uh, is something that I was recently invested in. Uh, I got out of it because I'm an idiot. <laughs> but uh, and this is a topic that I think will piss off a ton of Bitcoin maximalists out there. But, you know, altcoins themselves or alternative coins, if you know what they are, um, they are the really the mechanisms that allow cryptocurrency in its market to exist. Because without alternatives, you don't really have a market. And Bitcoin is the mothership. It is the power amongst all. Because in the last three months, it doubled as an asset. And probably within the next three months, it'll double as well. And, you know, as we speak, I think it's peaking at like 57 and a half right now. I think it's going through a... uh, a horizontal movement. Um, you know, it's obviously dealing with bears falling for a trap, in my opinion. 
And then you've got the whales out there in the market trying to uh, trying to fix their issues, trying to fix their mess ups, and the bulls are out there accumulating. They're they're trying to get as much money as they can because I think that um, the crypto market exists in order to fuel the Bitcoin rage. And one coin that I think that is worth the discussion, at least, is seller seller network and uh, the layer two financing um obviously this podcast is it, it it swings both ways right i'm talking about dallas mavericks basketball and uh and a damn coin a, a damn non-fiat currency coin um one that's really only specifically used uh for transitioning um your currencies across a networks platform in order for you to reduce your gas fees and i think that's what uh seller two or layer two excuse me is exactly what it will do and you know i got out of seller obviously i still follow the coin um i think it's still a great investment for its price point um in the last couple i mean in the last 24 hours 48 hours gone up 200 million in market cap and you know there's there's plenty of people hopping on and i i think it's a great investment i think there's there's power to it layer two finance um if you don't know what it is um they are essentially folding in essence um the the very chains that allow the blockchain to exist um and they're doing so to reduce the fees um, that a person might pay. Um, and so seller is a, it, it, it functions as an idea that the Ethereum blockchain to move your assets across it is very expensive. Um, it's very expensive. It's oftentimes more expensive than a bank is to transfer funds. Um, or it, it's more expensive than the uh, ACH links that allow you to move and transfer funds across across the globe, or to at least move them instantly, which is, I think, what everyone is essentially in cryptocurrency for, it's to have that immediate liberty that you have over your finances. And for seller, um, I think the one thing that you get in terms of investing is not only money, obviously you get more capital, you get more investment, you get more ability to do what you want, right? But Seller is launching their platform, I believe at the end of this week. Um, you can join their Telegram page. Uh, there's also an unofficial page uh, that's specifically dedicated to entirely talking about price points. Uh, entirely dedicated to talking about the real analytics and seller has done amazing it's done really well this week it's done really well the last couple weeks really um you know it's it's gone through its highs and lows but it's gained enormous support i think a lot of people are starting to wake up that the number one problem facing cryptocurrency right now is its barrier to entry that's it i think i think that is the number one problem because, I mean, the ship has sailed for Bitcoin, I think, in terms of having 
a total maximized investment in it. I think the only way you get that is if you have a ridiculous portfolio and you really want to make sure that it's intact for the next 10 years. And seller is the reductionist idea that, you know, we love moving our money. I think that we should always have the liberty to move our money. But the functions of the blockchain right now makes it impossible for anyone who is in this for staking, for the decentralized finance, finance applications, people who are trying to get in it. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're shit out of luck, man. I mean, if you put $400 uh, after, I mean, I, I use crypto.com for all my cryptocurrency exchanges activities. Um, after my, after the first 30 days, you do have to start paying fees in terms of buying and selling. I think for selling for right now, you do have to sell, or if you do sell, then you do pay a fee. But after the first 30 days, uh, you do have to start paying a fee for buying. Um, I think though, if you switching between currencies and not specifically selling off to a fiat currency, um, then you don't really pay a fee at all. You just uh, you just exchange the the current value. Um, and seller is attempting to change that game for the Ethereum blockchain. And you know if they if they truly can hit their goals, then sky's the limit. Um, because the total supply for Ethereum right now. Um, has exponentially decreased. I think you have a lot of people who are concerned about the current placement of the market. They're concerned that, you know, the banks are not fundamentally doing what they should be doing. I think that the entire financial sector itself is trying to figure out what it can do because let's face it, for the last 13 years, banks, I think, have been talking out the side of their mouth like, shit, there's something that's going to challenge us, isn't there? And it's come. Bitcoin's here. It has a $1.1 trillion market cap. That's $1.1 trillion of trust. I've said this previously and I'll say it again. The dollar was a modernist idea of fueling the military industrial complex. Bitcoin, I don't think is that. It maximizes the idea that financial liberty is not centralized to any one institution any one person or any one class. It should never be. What Bitcoin is, is an idea that we should have ultimate financial liberty over what we have, over our investments, over how we take care of our families, over how we take care of the people around us. In closing, I will say this. 
Do not take anything I say for financial advice. Do your due diligence. Do your research. Understand your price points. Understand where you are. But know this. The banks aren't looking out for you. I don't think Visa and MasterCard are, your, are either because they are under hellfire right now. They are trying everything they can to play both sides, and I think the banks are going to make them choose. They're going to make them choose. I think the debit middleman is, is under fire, and it's a result of ongoing problems in the world. Lastly, I want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. I know if you've made it this far listening, um, I can't thank you enough. I initially wanted to start this podcast because I get to talk about my two favorite things, um, Dallas Maps basketball, and I also get to talk about uh, cryptocurrency in the financial world. And I can't thank you enough because you listening this far is more support than I could ask for. So lastly, I'll say, um, please support and share the channel. Um, you can find this channel on Spotify. You can find it on here. Um, more than likely, we'll be able to expand to more avenues. Um, but this is just the first episode. And I'm not expecting anything from this. This is just me screaming into the ether. Um, but thank you for listening and, uh, listen to the trailer. I am still looking for a cover artist to, you know, figure this all out. Um, DM me if you can. Thank you for listening to finance the dawn. Y'all have a great afternoon. Finance the fucking dawn people. <laughs>